This is Nuri Shahin, and you are listening to the Yellow Wall Podcast. episode 196 of the Yellow Wall Pod. I'm as always your host Stefan Butzko and uh, we will talk about Borussia Dortmund and, uh, by we. I mean Lars Polman again. Hello Lars. Hello Stefan. All is well with you I hope? As always all is well. That's good and also here with us Konstantin Eckner from Spielverlagerung. Hello Konstantin. Hello Stefan. And uh, before I forget, right at the beginning, Matthias Luke wanted to give, wanted me to give him a shout out that he uh, had a positive prediction for Dortmund's Wolfsburg game, which we will of course not talk about because Dortmund won three 0 and after match day one, they are topping the Bundesliga. Still thirty three matches to go, but better than nothing, I guess. So, Lars, <laughs> takeaways. As always, I, I I guess uh yeah, there are a lot of interesting things to be said after the first competitive game. Well my main takeaway is that we shouldn't be taking too many things away from this game simply because Wolfsburg were absolutely terrible. Uh I, I'd say Wolfsburg were as terrible as Dortmund were really good. So uh maybe the the one thing that we do uh take away from this is mostly individual performances not and not so much team performance just because we didn't uh, see them against an opponent who was able to give them any trouble so I wouldn't draw many conclusions for the entire season team wise but you know in terms of individual performances I think we can certainly say that Mario Götze had a great comeback after five months uh, Mark Bartra and Christian Pulisic probably the two best players on the field so uh, I think we ought to talk about their performances more so than uh, the team performance in general, just because, as I said, Wolfsburg were ill-prepared and didn't really do much for 90 minutes. I mean, uh, Roman Bürki had one save to make, I think, and that was from an offside position. So everything else was half chances, field goals by Mario Gomez, who wasn't in the game for Wolfsburg. Uh, they didn't really hinder Dortmund in in build-up plays, they, I think, were f- afraid of Nuri Schein pinging long balls to Aubameyang behind their inexperienced centre-backs because they were without Brooks and uh, Brümer. So uh, they basically let Dortmund just play, and that's not a great strategy when Dortmund have a lot of good individual players in, in good form as they had on Saturday. Yeah, Hans-Joachim Watzke pointed out that uh, when you play with a high line against Dortmund, that's... Uh he basically said that Maxi Philipp, Christian Pulisic and Aubameyang would be rubbing their hands and it can get ugly as well. Um, Konstantin, maybe before we talk about Dortmund, um, why were Wolfsburg so bad? They had a passive 4-4-2 shape and yeah, not much coherence, zero aggression. As I said, passive, now I think that's the word that describes Wolfsburg the best. Uh. Well, that's the state they are in right now. Um, meaning that um, Wolfsburg is trying to figure out who they are right now. I mean, it's uh, when you follow the club and when you fo- follow what they have done on the transfer market, for instance, and how the team has changed over the last um, year, actually, uh, then you can see that, I mean, they try to, f- they try to figure out or they try to change uh, the face of the, of the team, but, um, Right now, it's not working that well. I mean, they have a few talented players, but they also signed uh, several older ones. Um, and that shows you that um, Wolfsburg right now um, doesn't really know um, what direction they are, they go. Um, and the performance against Dortmund was just a, was just a team that uh, was afraid of, you know, getting basically mauled by Dortmund. 
um, because uh, as opposed to maybe a few years ago uh, when uh, Wolfsburg actually won the German Cup against Dortmund, uh, right now they are more um, more like a mid-table team, um, meaning that they they basically see themselves as underdogs against Dortmund, uh, which is which is an interesting development when you think about it. Um, but that's just you know when you got Buzzerier in the midfield and. I mean, they have, of course, talented players like Didavi and Mali and, and all these guys, and they signed them for decent money or for, you know, great some prices. Um, but um, after all, it's not uh, the team they were when they had De Bruyne and, and Perisic and all these guys. Um, and even like the signing of Fahak, I I'm I really a big fan of Fahak, for instance, as a right back. Um, but, you know, he's 33. Um then they signed for for the for the center back position. They signed Hannah Neu from uh, from uh, Ingolstadt, for instance. Like that shows you that um, the ambition at Wolfsburg, um, paired with um, getting less money uh, from Volkswagen, actually uh, means that uh, they are developing like backwards, uh, if you want to call it, if you want to call it that way. Um, so yeah, it's it's Jonker just uh, has adjusted or has adopted the, this way of thinking, I guess. Um, and his team will try to f- to get points against you know mid-table teams or the the, the teams that are in the relegation zone, uh, but not against Dortmund and the likes of, uh, of our top teams. Yeah, and uh, I guess with that we can uh, look at Dortmund a little bit. And last, when we talked about Borussia Dortmund's preseason, we were especially critical of their possession game, the lack of structure, and uh, I would say the chaos they had in their build-up game. However, I would say if there's something to take away from that game, maybe it was down to Wolfsburg's passiveness, but you saw that Dortmund were not as risky in their build-up play. There were, yeah, I would I would say there were situations where they won possession, had, had a sp- Base and the pass to play forward, but uh, still opted for yeah a back pass instead. So I would say overall a little bit more risk averse. And I asked Mario Götz about it, and he said too that uh, yeah preseason is one thing, but as soon as the Bundesliga and the competitive games start, you uh, are a bit more risk averse. So do you do you think going forward we saw more what Peter Bosch has in mind than we saw in the entire preseason? Is this maybe like a positive thing we can highlight or do you really think that was just down to was being so atrocious? Well, they certainly were more deliberate in their passing uh, sequences, not uh, going forward at full tilt the whole time uh, as we had seen in preseason at times when, you know, they, they seem to play on the counter even against lesser teams or not necessarily on the counter but just with quick transitions uh, as you said they took their time uh, against Wolfsburg which again largely I guess is down to uh, Wolfsburg not pressing them at all high up the pitch not uh, applying any pressure in the build-up phase and I don't really know how much uh, that is down to you know the the team being instructed that way by Bosch and how much that is just the way the game unfolded. I think uh, certainly against better teams than Wolfsburg, they will have to be a bit quicker or the the defensive organization will make it very difficult for them to uh, create uh, scoring opportunities. And even in this game, I mean, we're talking about table topping and a 3-0 win. Uh, if you look at the way the goals came about, especially the first two goals, those were not necessarily great scoring opportunities you know in terms of expected goals or whatever i think they were quite fortunate even though i wouldn't say lucky because they were clearly the better side but relatively fortunate to score those two goals and and that obviously shaped the game in an an immense way um i think going forward in terms of uh, the the quality and quickness of their passing uh, sequences i think this will all be a bit different once uh, Dortmund's midfield consists. And that's what I guess everybody expects the regular starting midfield to be of uh, Julian Weigel, Mahmoud Dahoud and Mario Götze. Uh, that's a different animal than Nuri Shahin, who played well, but, you know, is a different passer compared to Weigel, uh, Shahin, Castro and Götze. I think once we, once we see the, 
presumptive favorite midfield selection, I think the the passing sequences will be a lot smoother and also a bit more direct going forward. I asked Nuri Shine about uh, the improved possession game as well, and he said that uh, Peter Bosch was not happy after the cup match against Rila Singh and the way they positioned themselves on the field and uh, yeah, revealed that they had a boatload of video sessions in that week and uh, hence uh, improved. At least that's what, what Shine said. Constantine, uh, maybe uh, one last point on Dortmund's possession game and, and structure before we move on and uh, see the game in a little bit more yeah, in individual light. Let's put it this way. Um Was there actually a question in it, or just you want to, want to uh, me I, to comment on it? Yeah, I just want to know if you saw anything that that stuck out to you that changed from the preseason that makes you uh, maybe not as grim as as all, yeah, the the grimness we had on the show <laughs> last week. Right. Um. No, not really. Actually, I mean, of of course, there was an improvement uh, between preseason and w what they did against Wolfsburg, which is natural. Uh, which is natural that, that you, that you evolve. Um, it is, of course, natural that you aren't at your best during preseason because of, you know, um, training, uh, extensive training. Um, and also because you're still trying to learn as a player. You're still trying to learn what Bosch wants and Bosch still, still tries to, you know, learn what his player can do. Um, or what his players' names are. Um, so, uh, What I what I've seen against uh, Wolfsburg was um, pretty much I mean apart from a few points of it was pretty much that what he what he wanted to do during preseason as well which means um, you know a symmetrical shape um, basic movement by the fullbacks basic movement by the wingers um, collaboration on both wings you know basic stuff actually like you know one moves forward one moves inward it's like it's, uh, nothing nothing new as uh, also the movement by both number eights at the hood uh, uh Götze and, and castro for uh, excuse me um you know there there wasn't much to it um and that's what could concern me a little bit uh when i think about dortmund and their 4-3-3 system is that it's it's pretty basic and uh, in my opinion a bit too much you know moving forward and in possession um thankfully and now we will play we will talk about the uh, you know individual performances thankfully um there are players like Mario Götze for instance who can um you know can do who can do well on their own or just you know if they if you give them a basic role if you give them some basic advice they um he's for instance a player who can just figure out on his own what he has to do to um, to help the team um that's why some of us like in the tactic community for instance call him the you know the problem solver uh, because he is he is that and i mean we i think we could move forward and talk about him uh because i think the performance by Götze um not not what we've what we've seen from Dortmund tactically but by the performance like the one from Götze and maybe also from Pulisic um what was what was promising during that match uh for the weeks you know or for the matches going forward um so yeah just you know as you said let us talk a little bit about individual performances and and we can't um you know neglect uh what Götze did against Wolfsburg of course Yeah, definitely. And uh, before we speak any longer about uh, individuals, I have to present another individual who finally made it on the panel. Hello, Matthias. <laughs> Welcome to the show. 14 minutes in. <laughs> yes, hi. Sorry uh, for the delay. Yeah, yeah, no problem. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing okay. You know, I mean... Those are sometimes the stresses when you record for me in the middle of the day and you've got a family and work and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, uh, to to uh, put you in the picture, we were just talking about Borussia Dortmund's uh, tactical shape and whatnot, and we're now putting our focus on the individual stuff. And Constantine just uh, put uh, his eye on Mario Götze's performance. So if you want to chime in, go go ahead and uh, maybe say all the things that were already said. <laughs> Nothing quite like flying blind. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, with Gutsa, aside from uh, his head being a little bit beet red and seeming a bit very sweaty at times, um, he was fantastic. I was impressed. It didn't, to me, it didn't even 
almost look like he had missed as much playing time as he has. Uh, he carried on his preseason form and I think actually played better now that it's serious. And uh, I think there's even more. I mean, it, it makes me more optimistic for the season uh, if he continues down this road. Yeah, definitely. And someone that would make us also more optimistic uh, with his performance is Christian Pulisic. Lars, you mentioned him yeah, already on the last show saying this will be the year of the Pulisic. So uh, why are you right? And what what made his performance so special apart from that goal? Well, one game does not a season make, Stefan. But um, <laughs> It's Overreaction so, Monday podcast. Let me have it, please. It's certainly a, a good start for my uh, prediction that this is indeed going to be the Pulisic uh, year. Uh, I mean, he, he was just everywhere. I think Dortmund didn't have one real scoring opportunity in which he didn't, wasn't in some ways uh, involved. Uh, he had his usual directness and pace and... and did his usual dribbles, but I think he he also had more, I guess, conviction, even though I don't like to, you know, psychologize uh, players' performances. But I think he he, he kind of understood that right now the owner's in attack is a bit on him with the Dembele situation, with Royce not being available, uh, Aubameyang perhaps struggling a bit with the new demands of a central striker under Peter Bosch. So I think uh, Pulisic knew that, you know, this is a, a great opportunity for him to put his stamp on this team for, you know, a, a few weeks at least, if not the entire season, as I predicted last week. So uh, I, I was really quite impressed with with his performance, especially because he, he did it for, I don't know how long Dortmund re really played football, but like 65 minutes or so when... Last season, most of the time when he was really impressive, he came off the bench as a sub and, and brought some extra energy for, you know, 30, 35 minutes. So I think that's the, the big step for him this season is to do it on a even more consistent basis and, you know, for longer spells of game time. So in, in that regard and many others, it was the perfect start for uh, his, his own season, especially uh, with the goal he scored, even though, as I said before, a bit fortunate, uh, arguably, to score from that angle with, you know, kind of a pot shot, but uh, certainly uh, a good way to, to get off the mark in the Bundesliga this season. Konstantin, why are the synergies between Götz and Pulisic so good? We've seen them combine quite a lot in this match, and uh, I don't know, it looks like they instinctively know how to harmonize on the field. Why is that? There was a quote by Aki Watzke, actually. Um, I think it was by Aki Watzke who said that uh, Götzen now wants to play like Iniesta and not like Messi. Which is basically what this entire Götze's thing is all about. I mean, changing your mind and changing your goal. Uh, because for years, Götze was trying to, you know, copy Messi because of outside pressure, maybe internal pressure, uh, maybe just you know, campaigns uh, or drawing a picture of him being the next Messi and maybe Yogi Löw telling him that he should show the world that he's better than Messi. Um, so, I mean, he was like in this in this circle, he was caught in it and, and now he's breaking out and uh, he clearly sees what he can do um, and cl he clearly sees what his role should be, uh, which means that he is not the next Messi by any means. Um, but he should be the next Iniesta or, you know, an Iniesta type of player. Um, and on the other side, you got Pulisic, who is 18 years old, still rough, um, around the edges, but, um, also a player who is a bit quicker than Götze, is a bit more, um, has, can take advantage of his opponents in one-on-one -on -one situations, like Götze is more the kind of player, more the kind of playmaker right now or at this at the stage in, in his career um you know take advantage of his own passing game and of his understanding of spaces and uh, rhythm so when you combine these two you got one player who's who's a great tripler and dynamic young powerful and you got this other guy who's also young but you know more experienced 
and someone who has a better vision and a better understanding of the game, actually. So you combine the two. Uh, you, you combine Iniesta and, you know, some sort of... Not, of course, I don't want to compare Pulisic and, and Messi, but, you know, you compare uh, um, this, uh, this player with, with, with Götze and it should work out, actually. The same goes, uh, by the way, with Götze and Philip. Um, Philip is, of course, a little bit more, you know, straightforward, um, compared to Pulisic, but he did well as this, um, you know, winger who constantly moved inward, you know, um, on this diagonal line, um, when behind him the fullback moved forward, which is what Bosch wants to see right now. Um, so Pulisic did well, um, all things considered, and, um, so I just think that Götze right now, in, and um, Matthias mentioned it, yeah, he um, looks still a little overweight. I mean, just, you know, we can call a spade a spade. Um, and maybe he should lose a little bit more weight. And then he, but, but on the other hand, like if he can go f- the full 90 minutes, I don't care how he looks. Um, that's just, you know, that's just, just stuff for the magazines um, that would, you know, put pictures in it uh, of him. But um or that I I don't really care how he looks, but of course he has to go has to has the stamina for um, ninety minutes or so. Uh, but uh, I digress a little bit. It just you know, uh, Götze right now. Um, I think he can he can make the next step in, in his career if he has the understanding of what he should do and what his role in a team like Dortmund and also you know going forward in the national team could be and can be. Um, so um, I think just you know when you combine these two players who are not too similar. Um, then it, it it can work out. If if Götze still wants to uh, would would want to be um, Messi, then we had we would have a problem actually because then you got Pulisic and and Götze uh, doing similar stuff on the on the pitch. Maybe you know um, uh, crossing paths a little bit more, and and then that would wouldn't work out for Dortmund. But right now Götze is the playmaker. Pulisic is the is the talented, rough uh, rough attacking player um, or a winger, um, and. After all, you got still Aubameyang in there as a center forward, who is uh, the guy who should, um, you know, benefit from all of this as well. Um, of course, still, when we talk about uh, Pulisic, Aubameyang and uh, Götze, would still be tremendous if uh, Dembele would be the fourth guy uh, up front. Yeah, I guess, Matthias, uh, when we talked about Mario Götze playing under Pep Guardiola, the big discussion was always that uh, the system... Or whatever would not really suit Mario Götze. Um, looking at how Peter Bosch plays, do you think that actually makes a big difference? That, uh, yeah, in the realm of Peter Bosch's footballing idea, there's space for one Mario Götze. I think so. I I think the problem uh, he had with uh, Pep Guardiola. I mean, one, he had some injuries, and that's nobody's fault. Uh, the other thing is, even though at times formation wise, you know, uh, a 4 3 3 or a 4 1 4 1 is, is the same with, with Bosch and, and Pep Guardiola, it was just the type of player that he wanted in those roles. He preferred a Tiago over, um, a Götze. I think Götze has more room in the Dortmund side because there really isn't another player like him that can interpret the role just like him in the squad at this point. Uh, Dahoud is a slightly different player than him. Uh, obviously, Shine is significantly different. Castro is significantly different and nowhere near as talented. So I, I think it's uh, the perfect match, even more so than it was uh, under Tuchel, in my opinion. All right. I guess that that can conclude all the guts to talk for now. Lars, uh, maybe from one sort of new signing to another, and Constantine already mentioned him, Maxi Philipp. How did you see his very first, I think, was it competitive game or first league game for Dortmund? Well, he came on in the Super Cup and also started the Cup game, so uh, it was only his Bundesliga debut. Uh, a bit subdued, perhaps. Uh, wasn't involved in many uh, shots, you know, scoring opportunities in general. But I don't think uh, with Pulisic being this good, uh, Pul- uh, Philip necessarily needed to have much of an impact going forward. I think he ha- was also instructed to uh, track back a lot, uh, 
playing in front of uh, Danaxel Zagadou in his uh, Bundesliga debut as an 18-year-old centre-back thrust into starting at left-back because nobody else was available. Um, I think in, in that role, Philip did really well. Um, he's dynamic going forward, uh, as Konstantin said, a bit of a straight-line guy as opposed to the Dembeles and even Pulisic, but um, that, that kind of helps Uh, tracking back because he's uh, seems to be more willing uh, to make those runs down the uh, down the line towards your own goal if you like and uh, he he looks to be able to use his body better than the other attacking players Dortmund have when they help out defensively it often results in in somewhat clumsy fouls or you know them being shrugged away by by attacking players too easily And I didn't really see that happen even once with Philip. So I think in that regard, it was a good start. And actually, I was kind of reminded, uh, his performance reminded me almost of what uh, Tuchel said last season when they signed Schürrle, that they wanted someone to have on the wings. You can just trust that he will not make any mistakes defensively and will not take your game out and not take your team out of the game with, uh, with his lack of defensive effort. So um, I think. In that regard, Philip did really well. And, and as I said a couple of times before on this show, I don't know how long it will take him to be, you know, the, the player he can be at Dortmund, but I have no, no real doubts that, that he's not going to be a good signing or anything. I think, uh, even though people like to talk about his transfer fee being a bit too high, I, at the end of the day, I want a player like that on my team and, and I'm fairly happy Dortmund made it happen. Yeah, certainly. If I may add one thing to, uh, Philip, offensively I actually thought that his off the ball runs were quite good and I thought they had the team and another reminder of his similarity to Marco Royce because Marco Royce is uh, superb when it comes to yeah opening spaces with off the ball runs so yeah kudos to him Matthias Danaxel Sagadu Bundesliga debut 18 years old left back position but is a center back How did you see his game, given uh, that <laughs> Wolfsburg hardly had any attacking threat? Well, yeah, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head there. It's hard to judge. I mean, obviously, he didn't look great against Bayern, but that's Bayern. He looked solid against Wolfsburg, but it's Wolfsburg. So, um, you know, I think the test will come with better sides uh, in the next few weeks. But ideally, he won't be playing at left back for much, much longer. But overall, I think this is the kind of game uh, that definitely gave him some confidence. His crossing is not good. Um, in, in my opinion, you saw that he's not a trained left back, but he's still really, really young. I'm not going to judge him too harshly on the Bayern match, so I'm also not going to judge him too positively on this match. He is a guy played out of position. He reminds me a little bit of, um, you know, Hovedus at fullback in the sense of it's not really what he's meant to be doing uh, with his footballing life. Uh, but Zagadou, obviously, given his age, can develop more into that type of position, but I don't think that's even the goal moving forward. This is just a stopgap solution for now. Yeah, Benedict Hervis, of course, future Liverpool centre-back, <laughs> if you want to believe some rumours. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was a good performance, what uh, you could see, and uh, it's probably also an asset when he's playing at centre-back, is that uh, he is very quick, not only on his feet, but, but uh, yeah, with his mind, if you give him the ball, he usually has a quick solution to what to do with it, to pass it on and find an open man. That is something uh, where, for example, Eric Durm or uh, yeah, Drew Park sometimes stalled a little bit, I would say. So that's that's something uh, nice that some players just have instinctively and sometimes uh, something that Peter Bush also values because he, want, he wants players to act and not to react. Lars, any final thoughts on this game? Apart from that really nice Bartra goal that we have to mention, or should we move on to previewing Hertha? Yeah, just one quick thing on Zagadou. Um, I mean, he wasn't tested defensively, but as you kind of alluded to, his uh, distribution of the ball was really good, and he played that fantastic uh, long pass to Aubameyang before the... First goal. 
first call, yeah. Uh, I was trying to remember uh, which one is what. I mean, it was a 50-yard across uh, his body. Uh, you know, he wasn't under any kind of pressure because Dortmund had won the ball uh, from Wolfsburg, who had committed too many men up front. But uh, certainly the the kind of ball that makes you think if, if he can do that from a centre-back position, uh, maybe he can do some of the things that Mats Hummels did, even though obviously I don't want to compare him to the preeminent Dortmund centre-back of the last 20 years. But, you know, just fr from that one scene, I, I think you, you always see glimpses of these uh, really great qualities in Zagadou. And the question is how how he will get along once he gets to play in his natural position. Yeah, let's put it this way. This hurt move looked so confident, so convincing that this was all 100% calculated and like he couldn't do do it like 10 out of 10 times. Of course, I don't know if it would come off that way, but you could see he had his head up. He was looking for Aubameyang and it was just, yeah, on a needle. It was just perfect. So beautiful pass, kudos to him. And uh, yeah, Aubameyang, you also mentioned him briefly he wasn't really yeah <laughs> he had a very he had a very calm game let's say but of course he was there for the tap in but uh, I brought home a little interview with him where he talked about his uh, game and uh, whether he is in contact with Usman Dembele or not so let's see it real quick and then I guess we can move on to Hertha good start yeah I think uh <clears throat> Today was a, a good match and uh, I feel good, so, so I think it's important yeah, in the beginning of the season. How's it with the new coach? I think the very good, good atmosphere at the moment with him, isn't it? I think very, very good. Uh, every day we are learning more and more, so I think everybody understands now what, what he wants and uh, yes, uh, I think we... We saw this today that uh, we, we play better and better uh, every week. Was it a perfect start today? Uh, I think it was, was a good start, yeah, a good start. Yeah. How important uh, is it? It uh, was important, of course, because the first game of the season it's always important and uh, everybody has to know that uh, Borussia Dortmund is ready for this season. Yeah. I think you have a quite close relationship to Us. Yeah. Are you in contact <laughs> with him at the moment? Yes, all the time. I mean, uh, I'm in contact with him. So yes, it's a difficult situation for for him and for the club. So yeah, that's it. That's only what can I say. I can understand the club, and also I can understand him. That's it. <laughs> what do you say to him when you? Ah, nothing special. I have nothing to say this time because yeah, it's his future. So he has to see. He has to take the decision. So. Okay. It's my friend, so yeah. <laughs> you know, you know how it is. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Thanks. All right. That was Mr. Aubameyang revealing that he indeed is in contact with Usman Dembele, even uh, regularly in contact. And uh, it was funny that Michael Sock before the game said that one Dortmund employee is in contact with him, and I do wonder if it uh, was Aubameyang or someone else. Uh, but yeah, Aubameyang, of course, not trying to talk any sense into Dembele, but just says the player needs to make his own decisions. So I don't know about you guys, but uh, yeah, I, I have my own opinion on, on that. But of course, Aubameyang needs to be a bit diplomatic here. So yeah, let's just move on. Matthias, Hertha Berlin, up next, they beat VfB Stuttgart 2-0 at home, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, what kind of game are you expecting? And considering that Wolfsburg were atrocious, do you think this will be a bit more, a, a, a bit of a better test for Dortmund? Well, yeah, I mean, I would say Hertha um, are more difficult to play against than Wolfsburg. I don't necessarily think they're more talented on a player-by-player -player basis overall, if you also would include Wolfsburg players that are injured. Um, they are more difficult to play. Obviously, we know they're very compact. Um, they they like to play on the counter. That's kind of their game. They, they also don't mind, you know, breaking down the opposition's gameplay. Uh, they're physical. And I think this will be a bigger test also for the aforementioned uh, Zagadou because uh, Dadai, in my opinion, will probably instruct them to run more at 
uh, Zagadou to try to play balls behind Pishek, uh, who actually, in my opinion, played very, very well uh, against Wolfsburg. So it's definitely going to be a much stiffer test. I still, uh, you know, I mean, Dortmund is still the better side. But uh, Hertha, Hertha have been very uncomfortable and difficult for Dortmund over the years, and I don't expect this to be any different. Yeah, two goals by Matthew Leckie, who I personally don't always rate. Konstantin, I know you have to leave us soon. So what are your two cents on, on that game? What are you expecting? Um, I expect a, a win by Dortmund by a slight margin. Um, I, I, I agree that uh, Hertha is one of these teams um, really ugly to play. Uh, especially, um, I mean, in the last few years, uh, Hertha has developed this style of football, um, re relying on on speed most of the time. Uh, so they sit deep and then try to run as fast as they can uh, when uh, once they got the ball. Um, and what they did in, uh, during the summer was just adding a few new bits and pieces um, to this kind of concept. Um, for instance, signing Lecky. <laughs> for instance, uh, pace, actually, because they did it before, but they didn't have the paciest players in their squad. They had, they had, no, 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 no. I mean, they, Kalu, Weiser, um, Haraguchi, these are the kind of players S1 you need for. S1 is also for, quick, but I've... S1 is a bench player for 30 minutes. Hmm? I still think that Lecky is a bit quicker than everyone else in there. Oh, yeah, maybe as, yeah, I think Weiss is as quick as, as Lecky, especially with the ball. Um, so, yeah, I mean, what they did is, or what they are doing or trying to do is, um, really, you know, relying on speed. And as I mentioned, they had, they already had a few, uh, players, uh, who were pretty fast. Um, and then they add Lecky for it. You know? Um, so yeah, that, that will be one thing Dortmund has to deal with. Um, so not especially with the high backline Bosch prefers, um, which you know creates a lot of space between Socrates Patra and Berkey. So of course Berkey has to make the right decisions all the time, um, whether he comes out or not, or whether he leaves the, the you know the goal line or not, um, is up to him. But um, of course his timing has to be right, otherwise he will concede. Um, and on the other hand, maybe Bosch could, you know, um, just decide to, uh, position the backline a little bit deeper at least. Um, so they don't get, um, you know, overtake by, um, Weiser or, or Lecky or who, who else, um, Hertha is playing up there on, on the wings. Um, because that's, that could be actually a problem. I mean, I, I, I see Dortmund dominating the match. Uh, but I also see Hatta trying to hit counterattacks, trying to to break through, trying to get these guys like Lecky involved uh, by just you know playing these deep footballs, um, getting behind Socrates Butra, getting behind uh, Sagadu and Piszczek. So and if there, on a few occasions that could happen. Um, and if Dortmund concedes, uh, if Dortmund is even behind uh, during a during a phase of the game. I don't know how they deal with that. So um, I, I, I see Dortmund winning, but uh, it won't be as convincing as against Wolfsburg, I, I, I think. Or they just, you know, will or steamroll Hertha. Maybe that will happen. Um, maybe it depends a little bit on what happens during the first 15 or 20 minutes. If they really get can score a, f a few uh, early goal, maybe uh, two early goals, uh, then Hertha is basically, you know... Um, out on their feet, um, but otherwise I, I see a few counterattacks uh, being threatening or even successful. A few had up counterattacks. All right, Constantine. Before I let you go, one final prediction. Yeah, uh, three two. All right. Thanks. That's all from Constantine. Lars, uh, what on on what kind of players do Dortmund have to focus? Who are the danger men in that Hertha squad? And so, yeah, basically. Who do you have to eliminate to, uh, yeah, eliminate their attack? Well, maybe a bit of a left field answer, but uh, going just by the last meeting in the Bundesliga, which was a two-one defeat at Hertha, one of the things that uh, Bosch has to drive home in team meetings and you know instructing his players is don't give away free kicks anywhere 
within 35 yards of your own goal because Marvin Plattenhardt of Hertha has the best left foot in the Bundesliga and more often than not, obviously not more often than not, but you know, often enough anyway, uh, he will score from, from good distances. So the first thing Hertha will try to do is score a cheap goal, uh, on the road in a tough environment, even though I think that's the kind of team that, that likes the challenge of going into Westfalen Stadion, making, uh, the crowd a bit hostile with a few, Fouls and I won't, don't want to say dirty tricks, but you know, they, they are a very professional side. Let's, let's put it mildly. So, um, I think, uh, you know, eliminating free kicks, not giving away, uh, corner kicks unnecessarily, uh, is, is one thing. And then as Konstantin mentioned, Hertha's attacking play, especially on the road is all about speed. So, it's either going to be a big test for Zagadou or a big test for Marcel Schmelzer's hamstring because I think with both Weiser uh, and Lecky playing on Hertha's right side, they will identify Dortmund's left as the weakest spot regardless of who plays there. So uh, certainly that's uh, going to be a position where, again, the defensive help of someone like Maxi Philipp will be very important. But just generally speaking of about Hertha, I think they are one of the well-coached teams in the Bundesliga that just lack a bit of top-end talent to be really threatening for the you know Champions League spots. Kind of remind me, uh, if you follow the NFL, of like the Kansas City Chiefs because they are really good all, all across the board but held back by the quarterback play of Alex Smith. And if we want to uh, paint that picture in, in football terms, it's the same for Hertha. I think they are really good at pretty much everything. They just don't have top-end talent at the, the crucial positions. Like, they don't have a great midfield creator, even though I, I like Darida, but he's more of a, a working horse who does everything well, but, you know, doesn't really create too many goal-scoring opportunities for his team. So, if, if Hertha... Uh, who did invest in a striker in Davy Zirkel, but he's injured and will miss the game. If, if Hertha find a way to score like 10 more goals every season, or maybe even only seven or eight, I think they could really challenge some teams for the fourth spot or, you know, Champions League football in general. But right now, I think there's something missing and, and certainly they don't have the, the squad depth to play well in all three uh, competitions uh, for, you know, an entire season. So, um, I, I think Hertha are right on the cusp of those teams that, that, that could be really dangerous for a team like Dortmund that's still trying to find itself. But this early in the season, uh, many things come down to individual quality and there you can't really look past Dortmund in this matchup. No, definitely not. Um, speaking of individual quality, though, uh, you, you mentioned that 2-1 loss in Berlin in the league, I think. Think and it was Matthias Ginter who uh, yeah had a cock up and yeah Dortmund got punished and Dortmund uh, and Berlin went one 0 ahead and the game for Dortmund more or less derailed then because uh, yeah it's never easy to come come back against Hertha Matthias if there's one attribute about Dortmund uh, compared to the last season which uh, you would like to see now uh, that you could add or improve which would it be? Um, sustained intensity. Um, you know, I mean, uh, a team like Wolfsburg, you can kind of take your your foot off the gas. Yeah, it so was to speak. garbage time after the hour yeah. mark. But Hatta, you have to keep your foot on their throat and keep on going because they are the kind of team. It's kind of like almost compared to Gladbach, where at any time their speed can turn into something dangerous, especially given our frailties on the left-hand side at fullback. So that's really what I want to see. And I, I feel like under Tuchel, there was too many times in the second half of the season where they were just lax and in concentration lapses and the intensity just wouldn't come back. Even with Tuchel yelling at them at the sideline, it just didn't happen. And, and I feel like under Bosch, I believe there's going to be more intensity in the pressing game for longer periods of time than we saw, at least in the second half of last season. I don't know, actually. I <laughs> I guess that's that's something we still have to wait to see. But uh, yeah, it would be good if Dortmund's intensity levels don't drop 
of as they did under under Tuchel. That's I think is a very good shout. Last one attribute you would change. Yeah, I think intensity levels were the the main issue uh, from almost like October, November uh, in the last Tuchel season. So that's certainly one uh, where and I would agree to to an extent with Matthias uh, Bosch's pressing focus and and you know counter pressing focus really more so than uh, the other thing. Uh, it lends itself to higher intensity levels and higher alertness levels throughout the 19 minutes so i'm i'm somewhat confident that they won't have the same issues as last season and then i don't know if it's another attribute uh, per se but just please make less uh, individual errors defensively i think uh, they were the downfall too many times uh, you you mentioned ginter uh, against hertha but socrates had a lot of uh, rather stupid boneheaded mistakes in the second half of last season. Bartra was great from I don't know, February on, perhaps, or let's just say the entire Rückrunde until the, the Monaco attack. But uh, even he had some issues in the first half of the season, even lost his starting job to uh, Ginter in late November, I think. Um, and, and especially with Bosch's high line and so many, presumably so many one-on-one defensive situations for the centre-backs uh, Batra and Socrates. Uh, just more alertness from them and fewer individual mistakes or, or, or even, you know, lapses of communication, not necessarily concentration only. So uh, thinking back to the to some of the pre-season goals they conceded when uh, a centre-back and uh, Roman Burki, for example, just didn't seem to be on the same page. Uh, things like that need to be avoided with the way Dortmund are, are setting up under Bosch because there's not too much defensive cover, uh, cover from in, coming from midfield as opposed to last season where they often played with uh, a five-man midfield, which uh, gave a bit more depth to Dortmund's uh, center. Yeah, I guess we, we, we already saw it uh, against Wolfsburg where there was a moment, was it between Batra and, and Berkey or or Socrates and Berkey, but uh, I think it was Gomez's best chance where he got dragged a little bit to the right, however, still pulled a shot and it went wide. However, I thought this little misunderstanding yeah, was, was already an indicator of exactly what you just talked about, that uh, there needs to be more alertness. Obviously, that's uh, easier said than done, than done, but I think it's a fair demand. If I can add another attribute here, it's uh, set-piece defending. Before Dortmund went up 1-0, I think it was Gerhard, who had a very free header. Although it went wide, uh, I assume a side like Hertha can punish Dortmund a little bit better there than Wolfsburg did. And uh, yeah, it's it's still, to me, seems way too easy for for Dortmund to get on the score sheet uh, uh, to concede a goal against set pieces. So, yeah, that's the, t the department to work on, I guess. Matthias, other than that, where do you think, having seen one really competitive game, where are things going to go? Because if I remember, I was very negative beforehand and I wouldn't necessarily say one good game changes my attitude. However, you were a little bit more positive as I already highlighted beforehand. So uh, yeah, where do you see things going? Do you really think Dortmund can be a title contender? Do you think it's going to be a very comfortable second place? Anything has changed after one game? <laughs> no, really nothing has changed. I think um, I predicted Dortmund to be second. I think that's where I still believe they will be. Uh, this is giving me a little bit more confidence because it seems to be, yes, Wolfsburg made it a little bit easier, but Dortmund also made it very, very hard for them. Uh, that being said, you now your other two two parts of that, A, is Dortmund a title contender? Yes, I guess in theory so, but uh, Bayern also looked pretty dang good uh, in their opener. So, you know, preseason shows how much preseason means. Uh, and as far as a comfortable second place, I don't think it'll be too comfortable because uh, Schalke also looked pretty dang good uh, against Leipzig, who actually surprised me by how poor they looked. 
But again, it was just one match. Um, there are still 33 more to go. Uh, I don't, I, I think Dortmund can be a title contender. I don't think it'll be an overly comfortable second place. I still stick with my prediction that the top three, maybe not the top four, but the top three could be a little bit or quite a bit closer than it has been over the last few seasons. Yeah, I guess, uh, yeah, we have to put it into context. I personally wasn't too impressed with Bayern Munich. Uh, I thought they were, I thought they were okay, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I've seen them stronger on opening games and, uh, they, after 70 minutes, look really flat against Leverkusen. I, I think if it wasn't for Leverkusen's poor finishing, they wouldn't have won that game. Uh, Lars, maybe you have a different opinion. I don't know if you saw it, but I wasn't too impressed with Bayern. And as for Schalke, yeah, they were okay, but they had a very low possession percentage, but maybe that was just smart against Leipzig. So Lars, your two cents on those two games? Well, I agree that Bayern weren't actually overly impressive, in my opinion. They could easily have conceded two or three or four goals against a Leverkusen side playing without a Bundesliga-caliber striker. Uh, seeing as Kevin Folland, in my opinion, is better served as a secondary option. Um, I mean, Bayern conceded like 20 shots at home, which never happens. Uh, and I, I think the, the, the possession per- percentages were, were relatively equal. There may have even been larger stretches of the second half where Leverkusen actually Outpossess Bayern, which also never happens. So yeah, just fifty-one uh, percent for Bayern after yeah. ninety minutes. So um, and and they seeing as they started certainly more dominant. You can infer that Leverkusen were the much more dominant side in the second half, and certainly in my opinion, this was more of a continuation of some of the preseason problems uh, we heard about from Bayern. Then, you know, uh, as opposed to Dortmund, who seemed quite a bit different uh, compared to preseason. Then again, I would argue quite comfortably that Leverkusen are a much better side than Wolfsburg. And especially with the introduction of Julian Brandt in the second half, Leverkusen looked really good. So uh, I, I think uh, Bayern are in some ways excused of having a tougher time against Leverkusen than Dortmund, even though Dortmund were on the road. And as for the Schalke-Leipzig game, I didn't watch too much of it, so I shouldn't make any sweeping judgments. But it's certainly a good point to prove by a 31-year-old Bundesliga debutant head coach to outsmart almost Leipzig with a with a relatively easy 2-0 win. And, and certainly you said, Stefan, that uh, Schalke didn't have much of the ball, but against Leipzig, that's arguably a good strategy. So... Uh, I think uh, Tedesco, the Schalke coach uh, who I'm, whom I mentioned, is uh, very highly regarded in the tactics community and I think uh, certainly a good first impression for him. Uh, I, I said last week that I, I could see Schalke actually beating Dortmund to the Champions League spots uh, if Usman Dembele goes. And even though it's not looking likely at the moment, I'm still going to stick by that uh, prediction that if Dortmund lose Dembele, they might even uh, miss out on Champions League football, even though, you know, compared to Leipzig, they now have, uh, that that was almost like a six-point swing uh, on, on match day one. So I might be, uh, have to eat humble pie in, in like only three or four weeks. But for now, I'm not going to let one good game against Wolfsburg uh, sway me in an entirely different direction. Yeah, I would I would say Dortmund fans shouldn't get their hopes up also with Bayern Munich getting any worse because the likes of Boateng and Thiago are injured and uh, yeah, Manuel Neuer also not in the game, but once they return, Bayern are a whole other animal. So um, yeah, so much for that. Um, Matthias, Dembele saga still going on. <laughs> uh, the deadline has been set apparently as uh, Sportbild have heard, I guess, reached down by the Dortmund board or made it up. Those are the two uh, <laughs> possibilities, I guess. Uh, the deadline is being set to Sunday. 
Hans-Joachim Watzke gave a very lengthy interview, I guess, or, you know, it was a conversational round uh, at Sky, who are trying to copy the doppelpass that uh, he deems the likeliness of a transfer happening below 50%. So, um, yeah, I guess everything has been decided when we return next week with our show. So what's what's your opinion on the entire situation dragging on now? Uh, you know, it's hard to say, but uh, I, I kind of agree. Yellow Wall's own Luca Gil tweeted something out today that uh, wouldn't it be crazy if Barca miss out on all of their top. And I'm not counting Paulinho as a top transfer. I'm a Spurs fan. That's a, that's a horrible transfer. But anyway, uh, if they would miss out on all their transfer dealings. And at this point, there's a very good chance. But again... Things can happen so quickly. I'm honestly, honestly, I'm totally disinterested in it anymore. I mean, now we have competitive competitive football back, and Pulisic looked so good. Uh, Philip looked good. Uh, that okay, you know that honestly, the one that that baffles me more, uh, no pun intended, is Emremont and and how that's happening, and that it appears that. It was his previous agent that screwed up the Inter deal and maybe even the AC Milan deal. And he may stay, he may go, who knows? Uh, it's, I honestly, with Dembele, I don't even really think about it anymore because I'm focused on other things around Dortmund and personal life, honestly, that I, I just can't be bothered with it anymore. If it happens, okay. If it doesn't happen, okay. Um, at this point, I just don't care that much anymore. Fair enough. Lars, are you surprised that uh, Eric Dum has not yet passed his medical to join Stuttgart? No, and listeners of last week will know that I kind of uh, predicted there could be some issues and that's not a tough prediction to make with a player who's missed basically half of the season each of the last two or three years. Um, he, he's got almost chronic knee problems. He had huge hip issues this time around. Um, I was surprised to learn that Stuttgart were willing to sign him in the first place just because he wasn't fit throughout most of preseason. So uh, uh, my first reaction was uh, because it, it was presented as basically a done deal with Dom having already uh, said, good, said goodbye to his teammates and all that. Uh, my first reaction was, wow, how can he even uh, perform a medical? And it seems that that is indeed the problem. And the, the, the larger issue for Dortmund, in my opinion, is that somewhat foolishly, in my opinion, they will not add uh, Jeremy Tollian of Hoffenheim. Uh, also, it said uh, in Kicker, I think, this week. Uh, unless they can unload Dorm and possibly even Passlack as well. And with Neither one of those two deals uh, looking particularly likely at the moment. It, it might actually be the case that Dortmund, after all, after we lauded them for identifying right back as a position of need last week, will indeed go into the season with Lukas Piszczek and Paslak slash Dorm as, you know, the, the second best option, which... Uh, as we alluded to last week would, in my opinion, be a rather huge mistake. Yeah, I guess they're then literally stuck with Eric Durm. Uh, Matthias, although I, I've heard you're very concerned with your own life right now, uh, how desperate would you be if, if Dortmund do not find another right back? <laughs> well, I, okay. I mean, I would say 80%, or let's just say of the, the 18 Bundesliga teams, they're probably... 12 or 13 where Duom and Paslak would be an upgrade over their their current fullback. Uh, Dortmund is one of those where it's almost a push with Pischek because what one does well, the other one doesn't do well. But if you're not able to move Duom and Paslak, bringing in Tolian, now you've got four right backs. I understand Tolian can also play left back. Paslak can kind of play left back as well. But then you would have four players for the same position. You're paying out wages you don't really need to in that 
situation because you have way too many. Yeah, and that's Let's when forget about Yoho Park. <laughs> oh well, I actually just did, but um, <laughs> it's alright. Peter Bosch also. Um, but uh, that's when players can become unhappy and discontent and squad harmony can be affected in that way if you have too many players in the same position because we're not going to play with two right backs at the same time um and you're not gonna i mean maybe you could put Pasolak further up the pitch as a winger where he may actually be better um because he's better going forward than going back in my opinion um but if if we can't move to him and Paslak, I don't really see a point in bringing in another right back because we're not going to sell Pishek. Yeah, definitely not. I think there's a very good chance that Lukas Pishek will end his career in Dortmund. Lars, um, going back to the uh, annoying Dembele topic, are there any rumors that popped up where you would say they are actually interesting when it comes to replacements for Dembele, because uh, so far, I would say it has been rather quiet. Well, if the local media are to believe the front runner for the potential replacement is uh, Lyon's Maxwell Cornet, which would be quite a funny signing, uh, seeing as he's basically a meme in the Lyon fan community. They all want him to leave. So that tells you all you need to know really about his uh, potential fit as the replacement for arguably the most exciting attacking player in the Bundesliga. Uh, so I, I kind of want that to not happen if at all possible. Um, <laughs> I, I think, you know, the, the same thing that hap that's happening with uh, countless pieces uh, of info, info that Dembele is now finally going to Barca for real, which we've read probably 15 times in the last yeah, week. Yeah, they alone. agreed on a feed just about bonuses now. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> S since since uh, Friday uh, last week, obviously that's not the case. So. I've never seen and so many insiders on Twitter <laughs> in the last two weeks. Yeah, and, and the same thing happens with the discussion about a potential replacement. I mean, you have all these random transfer gurus from France and Spain and who, whom I've never heard about who claim to have the inside knowledge at Dortmund that they are now interested in, I don't know, Samu Casiejo of Villarreal, who's actually a good player, but that would be quite random for Dortmund to actually be interested in. And, and that's the, the level of... Uh, expertise we are uh, accustomed to in this entire Dembele saga, which is why I, like Matthias, am kind of getting disinterested. I just kind of wanted to be over one way or the other. Um, we talked about the repercussions of him going and staying last week, so we, we don't need to do that again. But I just want, you know, one final answer. You know, is he going? Is he staying? And then we can work with that. But this. Uh, entire, you know, shit show of random Spanish media claiming to have the the greatest knowledge, and then you have random French guys, and uh, I it's just tiresome and and really begs belief almost that that this is the way we are talking about football in this day and age. I think, uh, as I said, I just want it to be over one way or the other, and then we can finally focus on on football for real and not this sideshow yeah i mean Vatska already said that uh, he would prefer the transfer window to uh, end before the season starts which in some way i would welcome and but then there's this little problem with teams that play the uh, champions league playoffs and europa league playoffs and don't really know if they have funds to spend or not but you know i, I i'm sure you could arrange with that Maybe. Um, I don't know. But uh, for what it's worth listening to uh, Watzke and also Nuri Shine, it uh, sounded a bit like, yeah, they're already paving the way a little bit for Dembele to reintegrate, that they all say that they still see a way for him to get back in the squad and they see a solution and uh, that, of course, they would tell 
yeah their opinion and and whatnot and that he has to apologize and yada 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 but uh yeah you can already sense that the communications from within the club go in the in the direction that there is very certainly a possibility of Usman Dembele staying on and it working out so there's that and I guess with that we can also yeah pin it on the head Matthias in case I've forgotten anything we haven't talked about maybe the VAR or whatnot then please go ahead and say so otherwise I would just say until next week did we actually give scoreline predictions for the Hatta oh, match? Oh, that's a very good... <laughs> no, we, we did not. Konstantin gave one. Uh, yeah, then you go ahead, Matthias. I'm going to go uh, with a 2-1 victory for BVB. Okay, I uh, will just give the same boring housewife tip. And Lars? Yeah, make that three in a row. Hard-fought game, but, you know, with the momentum of... Match day one and the seemingly great form of important players on Dortmund's team, I think they can just about pull off a 2-1 victory as well. Perfect. Then uh, I guess we can get the heck out of here. Lars, thanks again for joining us. Where can people find you on the internet? They can follow me on Twitter at Lars Polman. Perfect. Matthias? Uh, as always, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Matthias Suk. Cool. You can find me at Stefan Butzko. Read my work on ESPNFC. And of course, you can read our work and find the show on yellowwallpod.com. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, you can do that on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And if you want to contribute, help us out a little bit to yeah, invest in more hardware and software and, and whatnot, you can do that on patreon.com slash the yellow wall. And I see there are still a couple of cups to be purchased. Maybe I should upload a couple of pictures so you can actually see the goods. We'll do that going forward. So, yeah, that was all from us for this week. We'll be back next week to discuss the header match. And then, I guess, uh, yeah, have a final decision on Usman Dembele. Until then, have a good week. Goodbye. <laughs>